Missions and Emissions podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Copeland, Director of Advancement and Communications with ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, as always, and Chad Vegas, pastor of Sovereign Grace, Sovereign Grace Church in Bakersfield, California. And uh, I'm going to stop talking, actually. We're doing things a little bit differently. Scott, I get to be in charge of this interview. You get to be in charge. Which is incredible. I'm going to take the passenger seat here. So we have kind of a big, I think it's a big announcement. It's not every day that one of our co-hosts co-authors the book. It's and, not every uh, day. No, in fact, this is the only day. Yeah. Um, and we wish we had a book to say this is what it is, but it's not quite printed yet. It's not available yet. for pre-order yet. We're working on but it. But it's finished. And uh, so we are really excited to talk to you two, uh, Chad Vegas and Alex Kochman, about a new book that you have coming out uh, called Missions by the Book, How Theology and Missions Walk Together. And I, I, I want to just kind of set it up. First of all, how did this collaboration come about? You know, I was... Um, I was working on this for John MacArthur's group. The, they, these guys had approached me and said, can you teach a course at our church, 10 weeks at Grace Community Church on missions, biblically? We appreciate some of what you're saying. We'd love you to do that. Would you be interested in turning that course into a book? And I thought, I'm, I'm not really, I don't fancy myself a writer. Um, I, I, a teacher, yes, a writer, not so much. And so. I was thinking about it, thinking about working on it, thinking about working on it, and I was reading this guy who was posting blogs, I didn't know who he was, <laughs> on missions named Alex Kochman, and I'm reading his blog going, this dude can write, and he's saying exactly what I'm saying, I feel like he's speaking my love and language about missions, <laughs> and, right, and, so, editing, yeah. Yeah. and so I thought, I should... Um, I, I should get to know him. So we met, we hung out at a banner conference, a little bit after the banner conference anyway. Yeah. And he gave me a ride to the airport. Yeah. And then I just said, hey, you want to you wanna help me write a book? And Because um, I think you're a good writer. I don't think I'm a good writer. I have some good ideas. I think you're going to do a bit. Uh, and so... He's like, yeah, let's do it. He's and a better writer than he gives himself credit for. For sure. Yeah, yeah but Alex is Alex turns phrases better than I do. I'll just put it that way. So I was just thinking, yeah, let's let's do it. So he said, let's go for it. So we just kind of put together the idea. I knew he would agree with it because of what I saw on his right. writing already, which was that it, essentially, if you will, the theme of your show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the theme of your whole show. Like we we're going out to do a particular task and actually there's a book that tells us how that task ought to be done and so we should bring those two things together and I so that I, thought, I wish <laughs> yeah. I had thought of saying yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway that's beautiful yeah, no I, that was the providential thing about it all is that We've been in this mode for four years now doing this show, trying to bridge theology and mission. And the idea of the book is how do we do missions in a way that's explicitly theological. Right. Yep. And, you, and you do that chapter by chapter going into theology, not just systematic theology, but also maybe unpacking systematic theology in a, in a biblical theo theological way. I yeah. hope I can say it that way. And really, I think, tracing God's passion for the nations throughout Scripture. That's, that's evident as you're, yeah. as, you, as you're reading through the book. So what are you hoping that the church takes away from this? We have Let the Nations Be Glad. We've got, you know, a few other little resources that kind of define it. So what is the unique contribution that this book is going to make, or you hope it makes, in the life of the church? Yeah. You want to take that or should yeah, I? Go ahead. Go ahead. So 
and, and you're right, we're, we're, we're doing a couple things. We're not just walking through different systematic doctrines. We are doing that. So like, okay, our doctrine of the Trinity. What would a missiology informed by, hey, the fact that we're Trinitarian, what, yeah. what would that look like? Our doctrine of the church. We also pull out other things like suffering and we connect that with eschatology and looking forward to the last day and, and what would our theology of mission look like for that in terms of long-term endurance, right? And we tell some stories too, some missionary stories from stories from the field. And so that's kind of the project. The main thesis of the book really though is that scripture doesn't just give you norms, it regulates. You're stealing my last next do. question. Well, there you go. I don't Here's need your to, hop on and I don't need to ask it. So I do think, go, go ahead, Chad. I think the first five chapters hit, the first five chapters hit on what you might call traditional systematic categories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, doctrine of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Church, the Doctrine of Scripture is chapter one, right after the introduction. And, and then the next five, if you will, hit on not really systematic theology categories, but things like how did the apostles do evangelism? Does that set a pattern for us? Yeah. Um, suffering, like Alex said, uh, what, what does a missionary need to be as a person? Now we're grounding that in scripture. We are getting into some specific systematic doctrines there, but, but that section is a little bit more uh, of some of the issues that fly around the missions world. And I think part of what we're trying to accomplish is every chapter has a set of questions. And I kind of want to get this part in to the purpose. Yeah. Because we have a set of questions we've designed really around the content of that chapter. That's right. So missions committees, pastors discipling young people, young people who are thinking about missions and just meeting with some missions, uh, some leader in their church can sit down and ask, well, if this is true, what are the implications of that? Yeah, it's right. not an academic tome. No, no, not at all. And it's intentionally trying to say, have you thought about if we believe in the Trinity and we think about the decree of the Father in love toward us, what are the implications of that missiologically? Yeah. If the Son has come on a mission to save us, to redeem us through the atoning work of the cross, what are the implications of that missiologically? The Holy Spirit has been sent to apply the work of the Son to us. What are the implications of that missiologically? So we're actually asked, we're pushing into some of those implications, right. but we don't go real far, but we do have some loaded questions, if you will, yeah. to sort of press people into thinking more about it. I, I'm, and I'm glad you do that, understand that, because almost every, almost every error we're seeing on the mission field today is out of, out of a, a theological mis I, I, I can say heresy. I don't. I, unfortunately, doesn't rise to the level of thoughtful at least heresy. It's an ignorance. It's, it's an ignorance. Right. It's ignorance. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. Rarely is it intentional. And if you yeah. don't have a deep understanding of the Trinity and how all those, how, and even understanding of the personhood of God and that each person of the Trinity, like what what you end up doing with tr Hinduism or, or Islam gets super messy. And uh, so I, I think that's really we're, helpful. We're so afraid of the. Colonialist, traditionalist thing, right? The you know C scale, right? The C one. The right. like, let's just take what we're doing, what you're doing in Bakersfield, what you're doing in in uh, the Bay Area, and let's just transplant that, right? We're so afraid of that that mainstream missiological thinking for probably a generation or more has 
immediately just started the conversation, started every training on the level of contextualization. Right. And how do we embed in this culture without realizing that that that's the that's the last thing, that's the caboose. The engine at the front of that train has to be scripture and doctrine and what we know is true. Right. Contextualization is okay, once we've wrapped our mind around that, now how, how does this live in new skin yeah. in a different context? So I want to come back to what you mentioned earlier, uh, because I, I do think this is a, an important kind of, uh, not, not conflict, but it will be a, it should be a conflict for our readers, especially those of us who come from Baptists, which all th three of us are Baptists in our theology. And you, you, you talk about how scripture should not, I, I want to make sure I'm wording it right, needs to regulate the missionary task, not just norm it. Um, certainly the regular principle, if you've studied Reformed theology, you understand what that is, but a lot of Baptists don't even talk about that. So I want to hear you, what, you, what you guys mean by that. Like, what, what do you mean that the scripture should not just, should regulate the missionary task. Well, I think, and, and I'm going to come at this sort of a long road and sure. try to make it as short as I can. I think it's worth it. But yeah, the reason I first started thinking about that, I don't know why Alex first started thinking about it because we never talked about it. We just came to the same conclusion. Yeah. But the reason I first started thinking about that was I'm reading all the confessions of the Protestant tradition, all the confessions of the Protestant tradition, and just asking the question, well, these guys understand the regular principle. They say a lot of really helpful things about um, about the work of the church, the gospel, etc., for missions. Um, to the degree that they actually free us in a lot of ways to contextualize appropriately. Right. So just in chapter one alone, in London Baptist Confession, Savoy Declaration, Westminster Confession, you're required to do translation into original languages. Confessionally required to do translation in original languages. The Protestants believe that across the board. It also talks about circumstances that the Word of God doesn't address. Those circumstances then are governed by the light of reason or natural revelation and the general principles of the Word. So how do you get into a closed country, right? Things well, that you wouldn't think are addressing those documents because you hear those documents and you think that's historic, that's Western, that's yeah. Protestant, that doesn't have any bearing on what we're doing today. They were well aware of the need of the faith to be boiled down, stripped from all the excesses of Rome and be made into something that could live in any culture. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so one of the things that's unique is we actually, almost in every chapter, show how all those historic confessions, we pick up on the Dutch ones, the English ones, how they actually um, are helpful to the missionary task, which is unique in yeah. this book. Yeah, that is and I think, I think one of the other things that, like, is the next step, I was reading Owen, and I was reading his sermons in Ephesians 3 um, on worship, Trinitarian worship, and communion with triangle and some other areas of Owen's volumes, John Owen, the Puritan thinker. And he talks about if we have regulated worship, regulated ministry by the Bible, then it boils down to things that you can do in a cathedral or in a cave. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's, that gives the basis for contextualization. Cathedral or a cave. Exactly. Can I do it in a Not cathedral a or a cave? <laughs> so what can I do in a cathedral or a cave? I can preach the word of God. Um, slowly, systematically exposit it in their language, right, which is already assumed. So in their language, I can do that in a cathedral or a cave. I can baptize, I can serve the Lord's Supper, I can do church discipline, I can have elders and deacons and members. I don't mean, no, I mean, you have to sign covenants and have a formal membership process like, like we would do in Bakersfield. But I can do all those things in a cathedral or in a cave. I can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs in either location. 
right now? Yeah. Oh, you need to go. I gotta get going. Okay. He's oh, gotta get so, going, Chad. So that's all right. So yeah. we agreed on that, and that's what. Yeah. We're we'll come back to this. Okay. Yes, we will. All Chad, right. sorry. Thank you. Dude, that's so good. And we are still broadcasting live from the uh, Radius Missiology Conference where all live. sorts of things yeah. are happening and we are running up on schedule constraints. Um, but um, uh, if you want to get more content, you can go to missionspodcast.com and go to missionspodcast.com slash radius to buy an online viewing pass if you want to see what Chad's doing on the main stage right now. Well, it, it threw me off, but Alex, you just kept right going. I, I appreciate hey, that. You're a professional. The, the other thing, you know, just to answer the, the tail end of that, yeah, question yeah. is, um, you know, for those not familiar with the regulative principle and the normative principle, what we're saying here is what explicitly we see taught in the New Testament instructively about, you know, here's how we should go about the task of mission is what scripture desires us for to do in missions. Uh, hopefully we get Chad back because I, I think there's a lot more we can yeah. go into. This yeah. is really fascinating. And I hope people will check out the book. Yep. It'll be on Amazon.com and what other what other sources? Yeah, will be so um, Amazon um, Founders Ministries is publishing it, and so um, it'll be for sale through them as well. But that'll be on um, Amazon. And if people want to hear more from uh, us and Chad and Paul Davis, ABWE president, is going to be joining us for another panel today on that mainstream as well. So more conversations like this. So I need to address one important rumor, Alex. That's really it's taking over the Twitter sphere this I'm kind of scared. At least, I haven't looked at Twitter yet, but I'm sure it's out there, <laughs> is that there's a rumor that you are, are working with a big team of donors to, to buy 100,000 copies of this book. Oh, it yes. shows up on the New York Times bestseller list. Absolutely. I've heard that that's that ethically sound. I've heard that that's ethically sound. So it's true. Sound. Okay. No. So it's not true. No, okay, so don't look for the New York Times bestseller list. If it does show up there, it's going to all be natural. Right, not, totally organic. So be looking for that, but don't don't jump to any negative conclusions. This is a niche topic, Scott. This <laughs> okay. is very niche. Well, proud of you. Good work on this, and Thanks. I'm sure we have a chance to talk about yeah. it more. Praise yeah. God. Thanks for watching.